we are starting today with a pretty major announcement, and it has to do with how family doctors in this province are going to be compensated. And just a few moments ago, we heard from the health minister. He was answering a question about this new payment schedule, which we are going to talk about. But the specific question was, will this lead to more family doctors working in BC, and will it lead to more access for those who do not currently have a family doctor? Uh, I think I think the answer is yes and no, Vaughn. We know from the changes we've made already that uh, that these these uh, new arrangements are going to increase the attractiveness of uh, family medicine and of family practice and of full service family practice. We've seen that already with our new to practice contracts. We've seen that in the work we've done with our stabilization fund. All right, that was just some of the response from Health Minister Adrian Dix. Joining us now is Richard Zussman, Global News journalist based at the legislature. Richard, thanks so much for being with us. Happy to talk about this. I also would have been happy to talk about Halloween too, Jill, but we can save that for next year. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or, or we can we can save that. We'll, we'll talk doctors first and then, and then Halloween. Halloween, <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um, well, let us look at this because it's a new payment model. And I listened, I heard your questions and some of the other questions at the, the news conference. But what do we know about this model and how we're going to afford it? Yeah, so the model is a massive shift in terms of the way that family doctors are paid. And we've heard it, you know, they've been on your show. They've been in the news. Doctors have been worried about this payment model for a long time. And the big reason for it has been the model did not address a lot of the work family doctors did. So administrative work not covered off uh, by their current salaries. Complex care patients, those that take a long time per visit, everyone will know when they go in the family doctor, there's that sign on the door saying, we only have time to talk about one issue because of those tight uh, scheduling issues, uh, this contract addresses those concerns. It also addresses the rising costs that we're seeing, especially when it comes to leases or rents in Metro Vancouver and here in Victoria. So those are the big issues, and all of those are addressed as part of the deal. And you mentioned the cost. It comes with a hefty cost. Uh, The estimates from the province are around $700 million over the three years of this deal, but there are other places where there's going to be financial pressure on the system as well. It means that family doctors are going to be paid substantially more. So the average now, and again, it's a bit complicated based on, you know, the types of patients doctors see and where they live. The average is about $250,000 a year now. It goes up to $385,000 and factors in allowing them to cover those costs. To qualify for that salary, to qualify for this new agreement, a doctor must work 1,680 hours full-time per year to see about 1,250 patients of average complexity. Uh, that's up for some over, you know, five, six, seven hundred patients and have 5,000 encounters visits each year. And by increasing the salary, Jill, what you do is you are getting it closer to par with what these trained doctors have in the hospital system or potentially a specialist. And you will encourage them with this new salary to move out of the hospitalization system and back into family care where we know there are a million people right now in BC without a family doctor. 
And Richard, did they address this? And I know uh, the the head of doctors of BC was at this news conference, and we're actually going to be talking to a family doctor a bit later on in the show. But did they talk about the fact that one of the big issues has been from doctors is the workload itself, that they're seeing patients, they're doing paperwork well into the night, they're running what is essentially a small business. So, So does this ease that or or it just it compensates more for what is already a pretty hectic schedule yeah so it compensates for that work and obviously each family doctor will have different experiences so i look forward to hearing from the family doctor that you're hearing from around some of the concerns that they have Uh, but it is about better compensating and also providing additional support so this is part of a whole big plan that the province has around delivering care One of the changes we know is coming that was previously announced is giving pharmacists more power to prescribe. So you take away largely some of those menial tasks from doctors, not those urgent, pressing medical needs, and you pass that over to pharmacists who can help take that burden on themselves. There's also, as part of this, greater integration uh, with nurse practitioners, So once again, you take away some of that pressure on the doctor and you provide more support through uh, uh, nurse practitioners as well as specialized health workers that provide services like mental health or substance use therapy. All of this gives greater support to the whole network. So it eases some of that burden and all of that uh, gives the doctors more time to see more patients. And that should alleviate some of the pressure on the system in terms of all those people that need doctors. And you mentioned this as well. So the the incremental cost increase of about $708 million by the end of the third year, that's the government figure that they put out today. Uh, It would seem if this was such an easy fix, they they would have done this (laughs) a long time ago. So did they mention or say, where is this $708 million? Where is it coming from? Yeah, so I always think about that, Jill, when governments announce massive announcements that have been thorns in their side for so long. I think back to the enhanced care model, no-fault car insurance at ICBC, right? All of a sudden, it goes from hemorrhaging cash to a solution. I think part of this is long-term negotiations with the doctors who part of this, they were uncomfortable with giving more powers to pharmacists, giving more powers to nurse practitioners, but largely the doctors are highly supportive of being part of the integrated network of care. Where the money comes from will be part of the robust healthcare budget, which occupies a huge amount of our provincial budgets. Uh, again, it's more cost pressures on the province, but this is the singular issue that's dominating now. The biggest problem this provincial government has is helping to address the crisis in healthcare. And so whatever it costs seemingly is what they're going to spend to help solve it. So, you know, there's no tax increases or anything tied to this. It just will be part of the overall financial outlook. And we know the economy here in BC is bouncing back from COVID. It is stronger than expected. So it's a, it will, they'll sort of find the way to pay for all of this through general revenues. The last thing that's worth mentioning as well, Joe, a big part of this is starting next year, uh, the province will be launching uh, what's being described as a rostering system. So if you don't have a family doctor, if you're unattached and you want one, starting next year, you will be able to get your name on that list and they can start looking to place you in your community with a family doctor. Minister Dix was asked about this a bunch of times. 
how do you have any benchmarks? How many people do you want to place? He wouldn't provide any numbers. He would only take shots at the BC Liberals, who promised to provide a family doctor for every British Columbian, and clearly that did not pan out. But you know, we at least this is a start to getting a sense of how many people want to be rostered, where do they want to be rostered, what sort of critical care needs do they have, and how does the province then work to, you know, extending beyond this, recruit more doctors, retain more doctors, and, and, and place them in the communities where they're needed. Yeah, I was wondering about that too, and, and I think others as well, hoping for a bit more information other than just next year this will start. Did he even pinpoint it down to perhaps when next year? No, and they have got to listen back to the team. Uh, we presume BC won't have to follow. We also listening to the press conference. So not all the information came into my brain, Jill. Parts of it did. All right. Um, but, but, we, but I will listen back. No. From all the information we were provided, we had a technical briefing this morning as well as the press conference. But it was the dominant question today, right? Because that's what the public wants to know. Those listening right now want to know. I don't have a family doctor. When can I get one? And the province really did not provide any specifics on exactly how quickly that will work. And just because you put your name in a rostering system next year, in the spring or the summer, it doesn't mean there'll be availabilities immediately. But it does stop that whack-a-mole game where if you lose your family doctor, you go on the phone and call every family doctor's office in your community and ask them to take you, which is not a particularly equitable or efficient system. So the rostering will take away from that sort of game that so many British Columbians are forced to play now just to get the care that they need. All right. Uh, sounds good. We are going to talk about this uh, more coming up. Uh, Richard, before I let you go then, we did say we talk Halloween. What are your kids going as and what's the best Halloween candy? So the best Halloween candy is that box that has M&M's, Twix, and Mars hands down. I like all three of those. They're sort of my Mount Rushmore candy. And the kids are going as, so we tried to get our little guy to go as a lumberjack, but he's calling it a chainsaw killer. So it's dressed as a lumberjack, but there's blood on his face and his chainsaw. And I'm going to butcher the name, but my daughter is dressing up as Hatsune Miku. She is a Vocaloid from Japan. Very popular in many places outside of circles that I think you and I run in, Jill. Mm -hmm. But uh, she wore those outfits at Comic-Con and lots of people there wanted to take pictures with her. So clearly there's a demographic out there uh, that thinks that's a very cool costume. And I think it's pretty cool, too. So that's what we will they will be going out as. And I'm dressed up as Mark from the show Severance, which is basically a suit and tie with a covering on my work badge. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, have a good one. And thank you so much. Uh, Happy Halloween. Thanks, Jill.